Well, good morning, church. My name is Tara, and I am so excited to be here preaching for you this morning. We are in the middle of our 31-week established series, and what that is is 31 weeks that mirror the 31 days of the established devotional that talks about the fundamentals of our faith, what it is that we believe in as Christians, and what it looks like, especially as someone's new to the faith, to really follow God. And so today we're going to be talking about prayer. I was so excited when I found out that I got to preach on prayer. Uh, and then I was very amused that I was excited. Growing up, I always thought I was one of those people that just didn't get prayer. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I like to talk. <laughs> um, I get excited. I'm a just sort of hyper type person. I have ADD and I've always struggled to really focus on things. Whenever someone said, do you want to do like yoga? I'm like, I'll be so bored. <laughs> My brain is always going. And so growing up, when I went to prayer meetings or was involved in sort of these classical ideas of what prayer is, it was hard for me to focus. It was hard for me to know what to do with myself. And so I just thought I was someone that didn't really pray. The more that I've gotten to know God, the more that I've gotten to walk out my faith, I've realized that if it's true that God has made each of us uniquely and each of us in his image, then he knows how we communicate because he made us that way on purpose. He knows how I think. And if he's made us for relationship with him, which his Bible says that he has, then that means that knowing how he's made me, knowing how he's made me think that I'm in his image, I actually can come and communicate with him exactly as I am. I used to think I had to pretend to be someone who spoke in bigger words or spoke in certain ways, but that's not what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God, and we've been made to communicate, to connect with our Father. And so that is really where I wanted to start today, is just realizing that no matter what your personality is like, no matter what your conversation style, no matter how you like to pray, whether we're talking about connection with God or whether we're talking about how you relate to people in general, that was on purpose. And God can use that in how you connect with him. I, I notice this all the time at home with how my husband <laughs> speaks. He's a bit more formal in his language. I sometimes tease him because most of the love letters I get from him are signed Paul J. Morgan, as if I don't know <laughs> who I'm married to. Um, and he's just a more formal person when it comes to language. And then there's me. I definitely enjoy, I nickname anyone that I can, uh, probably a silly nickname if I can get away with it. Uh, and we are just very different in that way. And it's also true in how we pray. I've noticed that Paul often will want to kneel somewhere or he'll want to make a more formal moment. And I connect with God in a, in a more casual way at times. And I mean, when I first got married, I thought, am I doing it wrong? Should I be more like Paul? Um, but no, God made me this way, and I get to communicate with him the way that he's made me. So I really invite you this morning as we talk about prayer uh, to really know that, that who you are is who God wants to connect with this morning. So I want to start by looking at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. So right off the bat, we see that the will of God is for us to be rejoicing, to be praying without ceasing, to be praying always, and to giving thanks to him. And so what that means is we get to walk out a lifestyle of prayer. I love how the Passion Translation of that same verse says, Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. 
And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. That verse for me helped shape and shift what it looks like to actually be praying. It isn't always about a moment in the day. Maybe a, you know, you get this in your head of a 6 a.m. quiet time or a specific spot with a prayer journal. But no, it's a lifestyle, a life of prayer. And that is such good news to me because um, God is with us always and we can always connect with him when we need him. Uh, and it's just, it really, uh, for me, it really shapes it in a way that feels really approachable. And so we've been talking lately about how we are the children of God. When we decide to follow Jesus, we become his children. And when you're somebody's child, there's privileges that are associated with that. The word privilege means a right or advantage gained by birth, social position, or effort. And so in this instance, we're talking about a privilege that comes to us as children of God because we are born again into his family and he is our father. And so you can probably see this in your own families. I know in my family, there's certain privileges that come with being um, my dad's daughter. So my dad was a really good driving instructor. And so one of the privileges was he taught me how to drive. And he taught me, I think, well, he's very good at that. And I always notice that. I'm like, man, that's a privilege. I am like, I'm not afraid of parallel parking. I have a resource. The second I bought a large van, I called my dad and said, you have to show me how to parallel park. It's the privilege of being his daughter. And so I really believe that prayer is one of the privileges of being God's sons and daughters. By being children of God, we get certain privileges. And one of those is prayer. And prayer has three types of privileges that I think flow out of it. We're granted these privileges because our Father God has given this gift to us. He invites us as his children to be in constant relationship and communication with him. Now, these privileges seem even more um, vital in the light of where we are right now in time. We're in the middle of a pandemic. The world seems very confusing. And right now, we're alone. We're in the middle of a lockdown. We can only be with our families and the people we work with. And for some of you, that probably means you wish you were only with your families or your households and not the people you work with. But we don't get to just choose who we see. And this is a time where fear wants to steal our peace and our joy, where anxiety or loneliness begin to lie to us and become the most true thing. We want to seek comfort in things other than God. I know that, especially in the first lockdown and even this time again, my heart wants to go to other things for comfort. And it's so easy to feel swayed away from what, what is true about God. And I think prayer is the answer to this moment. The privilege of our new identity answers each of the things that come up against us. And so the three privileges that I really believe we get to walk in as Christians uh, of prayer are that we have access to the Most High God. We have a best friend who is always with us, and we get to talk to someone who changes us. So I want to go over how each of these three, three things are privileges that come with prayer. So privilege one, we have access to the Most High God. Last week, Pastor Greg was talking about how our God is the king. He's all authority. He's all love. He's all power. He's the king of the universe, and we get to come under him. But not only are we under him, 
he wants us to be with him. Like we have access to him. He's not a king that's up high and far away. He is a king who wants relationship with us. So what's beautiful about having access to him is that we talk and we listen. We talk and he listens and he talks and we listen. We're invited to and expected to talk to him and he promises that he hears us and listens. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. I could have put so many more moments where it says, then you will call upon me. You will call. He keeps referring to how that is a certainty, that it's an expectation of his that we come to him. And over and over again, he says, I will hear you. I will incline my ear to you. I will respond because he not only wants us to come to him, but he actually answers us. And then he talks and we listen. We align our hearts with God, asking for his will to be done in and around us. Matthew 6, 9 to 10 in the Lord's Prayer says, when you pray, again, that expectation, when you pray, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he talks and we listen, we get to understand his heart for the people around us. We get to align our heart with the things he cares about. We get to view the world in a different way that's more true than how we can feel inside. Next, because we have access to the Most High God, we ask and we receive. God cares about our practical needs and he invites us to ask him for his provision. I have so many verses here, so bear with me, but I really feel like it's so easy for us to think, oh, I'm not sure he means it. He means it. He provides and he wants us to ask. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Psalm, Matthew 6, 11, give us today the food we need. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Psalm 103, 3-5, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He saves my life from the grave and loads me with love and mercy. He satisfies me with good things and makes me young again like the eagle. And Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We ask and receive because our Father is a good Father who wants to fill our needs and who does fill our needs. We don't even actually need to ask him, he already knows. But I know for me, when my kids come to me, I can often see them, they want something. <laughs> and I know what they want. Um, you can spend any amount of time in our family and know that first thing in the morning when Charlotte, our two and a half year old, one of the twins wakes up, she wants to put chapstick on. She doesn't need to ask anymore. Like we all know, like our wonderful student Jade that lives with us, she knows, like everyone knows Charlotte wants chapstick. But I love that she comes to me and she asks because she knows that her mom wants to give her good things. And sometimes the answer is no, we cannot always have chapstick on us. But most of the time the answer is yes. And I love that she still asks me, even though at this point she can actually get it herself. <laughs> That she asks me and we stay in relationship. And that is really the invitation from God. He knows what you need, but there is something that happens when we ask him to fulfill our needs that shows that we get that he's the one answering it and not us. And then the last point about access, to, that we have access to the Most High God is that we praise and we celebrate. 
the natural response to having this level of access to the Most High God is celebration. Our praise is not pandering to a distant God who would want to squash us if we don't obey. This is a celebration of who God is and of the access that he's granted us. Thankfulness and praise are an appropriate response when you're serving the Most High God who is meeting your needs in every way. Psalm 103, 1-5 says, All that I am, praise the Lord. Everything in me, praise his holy name. My whole being, praise the Lord, and do not forget all of his kindnesses. I love that last part because it is so easy to forget the things that God has done. I've always been thankful. I'm someone that likes to journal and likes to blog, and I'll often go back and read what what was happening, you know, in the past. And I'm reminded over and over again, oh, yeah, there was that miracle God did. Oh, yeah, I needed... It's the end of the school year, and I was going to be short $500, and I didn't know how that was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, a check appeared in my mailbox, and God provided. There's something that happens when we praise him and we remember the things that are that he has already done, where we get to see just God show up in amazing ways and be reminded because we are so forgetful. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. The verse from the beginning, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love these moments where we get to celebrate. Our God is not a somber God. He wants to rejoice. We're called to have joy over and over again in the Bible because he loves walking out life with us. He has a plan. We're going somewhere and we get to celebrate that together. So the next privilege of of being of prayer is that we have a best friend who is always with us. Man, at this time more than ever, that means so much to me. Right now, I can't see my best friends. I mean, I can see Paul. He is one of my best friends. But also he's my husband. I have best friends on purpose because <laughs> I really like having girlfriends. Uh, they, they feel that different need and I miss them. I really miss getting to talk to them. The phone isn't quite the same right now. And so um, in this time where we aren't with the people that we maybe want to be with, we have a best friend who is always with us. And so first of all, we don't have to be pulled together to come to God. I don't know if you've read much of the Psalms. Um, but if you have, you'll see that David and the other psalmists don't take their time um, conjuring up their best behavior, you know, shoulders back, good posture, ready to present to God. They come to him very real. And I think of so many moments every time I read the psalms, it reminds me so much of my kids who just come running to me and they're sobbing and probably snot. And it's just very real and they just say like mommy I've lost this thing or whatever it is and I get to just listen to them and most of the time there's not much I can do to solve their problems actually half the time I've already solved their problems they just don't know it but um I just get to be there and listen to them as they are Psalm 71 1 to 3 says in you O Lord do I take refuge let me never be put to shame in your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. I love this picture that we don't have to be pulled together, but that we continually come. And when I think of the expression like having a best friend who's always with us, it's like that's someone you don't need to try for or work something up with. You just get to go be with them. And I know for me when things happen, my first instinct, and I've had to really work to 
make sure I do God first because my first instinct is to call my best friends and to work it through and to talk about it. And I think that this is, first of all, a helpful sign of what it looks like to come to him in the moment. But then also it's this reminder that how do I make it that he's the first one that I call? That's something I'm still definitely trying to figure out in my own heart. And then because we have a best friend who is always with us, we are never alone. Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8 say almost identically, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And then the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. John 16, 32 says, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Jesus understood a time where we are scattered, where we are alone in our homes, and he had the confidence to know that his Father was with him. And we have that same confidence that right now God is with you and you are never truly alone. I think we can hear this and feel like, um, feels a funny word, because I think that's the issue. We don't always feel it. <laughs> we often feel lonely. I've so often watched one of my kids come to me and said, Mom, I like I feel alone. I'm like, Bailey's literally asleep in the bunk bed under you. We have four kids. No one's alone ever at our house. But still, they feel alone at times. And I know I can feel that when I'm busy, when I'm working, when things are hard, I can feel alone. But what is true is that God is with us. He is always with us. Matthew 28, 20 says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In life, in death, he is with us, and we have that as our good news. And lastly, because we have a best friend who is always with us, we have an actual friendship relationship with God. We aren't invited into some sort of religious structure. We're invited into a real relationship with God. John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I make known to you. We get to be God's friend. <laughs> like, he's not hiding things from us. He's not on some other level. He wants to be our friend. He wants to be there with us. And I love this picture because I really find that friendship isn't a one-size-fits-all. And it isn't really overly structured. It's made up of intentional moments. It's made up of spontaneous connection. There's formally defined moments like dates or hangouts. And then there's random connections that happen when you bump into that friend or when you see them in different areas. The part about connection with God that really helped me um, understand what it looked like to live a lifestyle of prayer was when I thought about my friendships. A couple years ago, I really felt like God was inviting me to examine each of my friendships and the different ways that we connected, and then bring that over to how I connected with him. And so he like had me checking in throughout the day, like, oh, how did you connect with your sister? How did you connect with your best friend? How did those things happen? Okay, text, email, a phone call, in a group setting. Like, there was all these different areas. And he said, that's how I want you to connect with me. Like, can you realize that in the middle of the day when you're trying to find a parking spot, like that little message you send up to me, it's a little text message for help, like, oh, God, can you please get me a parking spot? Or, oh, I need, 
all the traffic to move so much faster than it is, whatever those little moments are. And there's other moments where I get to get up early and I write in my prayer journal. It's more of an email or a phone call with a friend, but it's really spending time connecting with God. And then there's seeing him in groups, you know, when we're in our D groups or we're in a prayer meeting or we're at church. God's, we're together with God in that place with other people. And that changes the connection with God. And I get to see, I know in real life, different versions of my friends when we're in a group that I see all the time one-on-one. And so that's some of the invitation is that God is with us always and he wants to like have actual friendship with us in all the ways that that looks, whether it's brief moments in your day, whether it's a longer set moment, he wants formally defined moments and he wants spontaneous connection. He wants to have a real relationship with us. Prayer is such a major part of healthy relationship with God. It's an ongoing conversation with him that makes our relationship with him personal and interactive. This is one of the biggest parts of our relationship with him and it's exactly what Jesus modeled. I mean, he knew what God was doing, right? He'd already been in heaven. He knows the plan, uh, and yet he still went away to be with his father. He still went away to connect. He still went away to be refreshed, to be aligned, to continue to seek his own father because he knew that even as the son of God who had come down from heaven to be with us, that he needed that time. And I think that's such a beautiful example for us of what it looks like to really make relationship with God, something that is part of our lifestyle. There's one last privilege, and I love this one. The last privilege is that we talk with someone who changes us. And so I think most of us, when something goes wrong, like there's this need we have to get it out. We need to process, we need to verbally say some things, we need to think about some things, and we get to do that with God. You know, there are times where we process, but it's not always the safest. Um, if you're talking with somebody who isn't going to point you back towards Jesus, or if you're pointing, like talking with somebody who's just going to agree with you, <laughs> yeah, you're right, that person is the worst. <laughs> those, those places, I mean, there's a side of us that probably enjoys those, but what is so helpful is when we process in a way that we know that it's healthy. And I think of when you talk to a trusted, close friend who you know is going to remind you of what's true. Or when you go to see a counselor and they're not going to let you sit where you are. They want to see you change. When you go to talk to one of our pastors, they don't want to see you still sitting where you were. They want to see you be changed and be more like Jesus. And so when we seek God, like that's one of the privileges that he will let us process, but in a way that's healthy. Psalm 139, 23 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of life everlasting. And we also, we don't just talk and like be reminded of truth. We also, the next point is we receive peace when we turn to him. You see David in the Psalms, like just the only word that comes to mind, and I was trying to not use it, but is word vomit. (laughs) You just see him like everything. But at the end of the Psalm, each time his heart is turned towards God. It isn't just that he got himself there, but there is something miraculous that happens when we turn to God in the hard places, in our doubts, in our fears, and then we receive his peace. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Over and over again, we see that we get to come to him and he gives us peace. And I love that he says, I do not give to you what the world gives. Because what is the world giving us right now? (laughs) Mostly anxiety. It's a little bit scary out there. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's coming next. Like, are we doing the right things as a government? Am I doing the right things personally? Like, there's a lot that the world gives that I just... I could feel so unsettled. I feel it trying. I don't know if you can tell, but since lockdown started, as I talk to people, like there is this sense of anxiety the world wants to give us. But that is not what God gives. He gives us peace. And we know that he overcomes the world. Not only do we have peace in each moment, but we have ultimate peace because we know he wins. We know he's the God of all of the earth, and he has a plan that he is working out. And not only do we receive his peace, but we're also able to be people who extend that peace to others. Pastor Greg always talks about being the non-anxious presence in any room. And I think that that peace gives us that. He helps us walk in right relationship with others. He helps us walk in ways that show others who he is. Psalm 103.4 says, He saves my life from the grave and loads me with love and mercy. He doesn't just save us, but he saves us into something. He gives us love. He gives us mercy. He makes us like him. And lastly, we receive his power to be changed. He alone has the power over sin. And so we can ask for his help to resist temptation and demonic oppression. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. I love this. Like, it's easy to read the Bible or think about prayer and feel like, oh, I should just want to be better. And then by wanting it, I should be better. (laughs) But it's just honest. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And there are so many times where I choose things and I'm like, why? (laughs) I want to follow God. And I love that we get to ask him for his help in this, that we get to say, Father, help me. Matthew 6, 13 says, And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The evil one does want us to lead us to death and destruction, but God wants to lead us to life. And he not only wants to lead us there, but we can ask for his help to do that. So not only can we ask him for help to not sin, but we get to ask him to help us be more like him. He empowers us to walk out a life that looks like his. The more we are with him, the more we become like him. Galatians 5, and 23 says, but the fruit of the, in the Amplified, and I love this, but the fruit of the spirit, the result of his presence within us and even with us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we're with our father, we become like him. And these things, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, they become ours, that we get to walk out and show the world that this is what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Prayer is essential in our relationship with God. 
It's an ongoing conversation that changes our hearts, that aligns us with him, that makes us more like him. As we realize the spiritual battle that we are in, prayer becomes an indispensable part of staying faithful to God and his will for our lives. The more we talk with him, the more we listen to him, the more we connect with him. We are able to stay the course to follow the things that he's put in front of us. And so as we close today, I know the thing that's been convicting me is, am I really believing that when I come to God in prayer that he hears me? Am I really believing when I come to God in prayer that it's a conversation? Am I just ticking off a box that says, yep, I prayed today? Or am I really believing that in this moment, he is here with me and I can pour out my hearts? I can trust that he's going to change me. I can believe that he is actually going to do something with the things that I've brought to him. I just got this picture and I see it so often. My kids kind of think I can do nothing or everything. I can never quite tell. Um, And sometimes they'll bring me this uh, pile of like broken things and want me to fix it. And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't because I'm not God. Uh, But I love that they just bring it to me and there's trust there that mom can solve anything. And I feel like that's the invitation. Whatever is going on in your heart and life, as we bring it to God, whether you think you're someone that doesn't hear from him, whether you think you're someone that's really good at this, (laughs) either way, he can work in both of those places because what he cares about is you and being with you. And he wants to draw alongside you, hear your heart, share his heart with you and walk this out as a friendship, as a relationship, as something that isn't um, a form, but is something that changes us. The last piece I just want to remind us about today is that the thing that really stuck out to me as I read the Psalms, as I was preparing, is that they say that David was a man after God's own heart, but he wasn't perfect. I mean, you read the Psalms and he had doubt, he had fear, he had confusion. And we know from scripture that he also had sin in kind of major ways. Uh, And yet he was called a man after God's own heart. And this morning, I think the invitation for us is to be a people after God's own heart, to be a people that want to draw close to our father, to be a people that want to be near him and not a people who get it right, not a people who are perfect. I mean, we would fail at that anyways, but it's so easy to think if we just tick enough boxes, but that really we get to be a people who are inclined towards him and have hearts aligned with his. And so this morning, I really encourage you to think on those things and to see where it is that we're maybe just ticking off a box and where God would want to speak to us in a new way. We're going to go into a time of communion. And it's funny, I was... I'm looking at the communion verse, and I like to use Google because I'm at my computer a lot. And I wrote in communion, and what came up actually was a definition of the idea of communion. And it's not the spiritual thing, but I thought it was really interesting that it defined communion as the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings. And I love that idea as we head into actual communion, the reminder that um, what we get to do in prayer is an intimate thought, sharing of thought and feelings. Communion reminds us that not only did he suffer, but it really shows us how much he wants relationship. We are reminded of his blood and his body that are broken for us because he loved us, because he wants that intimate connection with us. We share the blood and body of Christ because we have chosen to die with him and be born again with him. We've gone 
through like looking at ourselves and we've repented and we've realized that we need him. And in this place, we get to come and be with him and we get to see him meet us and he strengthens us here. And so as we take communion, I invite you to just position your heart towards him, believing that as we join in this ritual that says we join you in what you've done, that he empowers it and he is here with us and he takes our choice to be with him and he fills that. So 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 30 says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you to eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. You can drink now. Father, we thank you that you empower the things that we do because you are so good. God, we thank you that when we choose to connect with you, you meet us. God, we thank you that as we come here today and we turn our hearts towards you, we are met. We are held. You are here, Father. I pray that you would speak to us this week, that you would speak clearly, that you would guide us and lead us, and that we would know what it looks like to draw close to you. I pray for miracles, that we would see miraculous moments where you do something in our lives this week because I know you are a God that just delights in his children. And I pray that you would show us what it looks like to draw alongside you, truly connecting in this time. In your name, amen.